a once in a lifetime. You need to never stop improving. The constant focus on individual growth. How will you be financially free? Welcome to the Empower Podcast. John, welcome to the Empower Podcast. Hello. Hello, hello. So good to have you here, man. It's crazy to see you actually working for Empower. I mean, you and I have been friends for a long time, and I never would have guessed, but it's so good to have you here. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. You're full of wisdom because you're kind of getting old, dude. How old are you these days, John? Dude, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> Touchy I don't subject. even want to talk about it. I turned 30 in, oh my gosh, two weeks. It's almost July, right? Yeah, almost July. Yeah, so I could be like half the guys out here's dad. Dang, dude. So you're 30 in two weeks. You're getting up there. And that means you got a lot to teach us. 30 just means wisdom. It's not a bad thing. 30 just means you're smart. Hopefully. So, John, uh, a lot of people, you're new to the company this year. This is your rookie year. So I think a lot of our reps don't know you as well. I just want to hear a little bit of background about where you're from, et cetera. So where did you grow up? So I'm from Kaysville, Utah. Um and just did kind of the typical, went on a mission when I was 19, then uh, came back, went to school, went to UVU, graduated in finance. And pretty much ever since I graduated in finance, I've just been, uh, I've been doing sales, but it's been more on the business to business side of sales. So I've been in tech sales for years. Okay. So that's kind of, uh, so I've had experience in sales, but I've never until this year have I, well, I guess, the last year and a half have I really been super exposed to, to door to door. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been doing sales for the last few years. I did it for a couple different tech companies. And then I started actually, I got introduced to solar doing it kind of part time in Utah. So that's Man. kind of where I started out was, was just, I knocked some doors in Utah after my full time job, just cause I, I was buying, uh, I was buying my second house and I wanted to make some extra money. And um, so I, my friend, he was selling there locally. So I started knocking and then I started closing there locally in Utah. That was kind of my first introduction to solar. Dude, there were so many things you said in there that were critical. I want to dive deeper into, but from the beginning, so you're born and raised in Kaysville. That's where you ended up your whole yep. life with the high school there. What high school did you go to? I went to Davis High. Davis um, High. But yeah, so, but I pretty much been in Utah County since I got back from my mission. So. I okay. got back in 2013, 2013 so, so just years ago. So like 2013 to 2021, really, you've been in Utah County. Yep. Nice. Where did you serve your mission? Served in Guadalajara, Mexico. And let me just tell you, in my area, that has come very much in, in use. I've used Spanish. Oh, about half my deals I've closed have been Spanish since I've been out here. Wow. So close to that. Dang, that's crazy. Did you have to touch up on it a little bit? Cause, I mean, the mission was a while ago for you. It was literally terrible. Um, <laughs> I had to, I shadowed Chan on a couple of different appointments, and uh, I kind of got to you know start getting it back, practicing with him, and then practicing my my vocabulary as far as solar goes because you got the mission vocab and then you have you know sales vocab, so it's a little different. So definitely had to brush up, but I'm feeling pretty good about it now. Dang, that's awesome. So that's coming in clutch for you now. And you ended up going to UVU after the mission and studying finance. Did you know that you wanted to do sales when you were at UVU or? Oh, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, honestly, I just kind of chose something that felt practical when I got back from my mission. And then when I, 
after I graduated and it was time to get into the real world, I just kind of observed what my friends were doing that were my friends that were making the most money and seems to also have the most amount of free time. So I saw my friends that were in sales, whether it was doing different types of, of summer sales or whether they were in a sales career, like tech sales, like I've been in. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all seem to have been able to make the most amount of money in the least amount of time like with the company. Totally. They didn't have to play the corporate ladder game. They just kind of, my successful friends just performed and then hit goals and then made a lot of money. And, and that's really what I wanted. Dang, so, so you graduated from UVU like in what, 2016 or something? 17? Uh, se- yep, 17. 2017, and then that's when you really started working full-time in sales, doing tech sales. And I mean, you were approached by how many people to do summer sales? Like over the years, if we're being honest. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, at least, I mean, literally every summer, obviously. Like every year I was home for my mission. Just because I've always known a lot of friends that have, that have done it. And I was very strictly against it. I had, you know, I just had like been told the stigmas um, of summer sales guys. I didn't want to be a summer sales bro. Mm-hmm. But honestly, if I could go back, like it's such a smart decision to to, to get into a type of sales like this. And I would recommend solar obviously over anything, but any type of sales, like if I could go back, I would have done it. Solar sales when I was younger didn't wasn't really as much of a thing. It was mostly pest or, or uh, home automation. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, it's so smart because just the having money at that age group, the way that it can compound when you invest it the right way and just all the all the good that you can do being financially free when you're in your early 20s is just life changing. Totally. I have a young I have a, a lot of younger guys that are on my team right now, and I'm just so excited for them because they're making like legitimate money at such a young age. And I'm trying to explain to them, like, what that money can turn into by the time they're my age. And um, it's pretty exciting. So it's it's definitely, you know, I look at it as such a huge opportunity for those guys. For sure. And now you're finally into it. And luckily for you, Solar's here now. And so you jumped into your first ever summer sales experience while at Solar, which is a huge win. Yeah, it really is. And now you're doing, you're running a team, you're out in Fresno closing deals. How's it been so mm-hmm. far? Like, are you happy you're here? Are you happy you came with Empower? Oh my goodness, yes. I'm very happy. Um, I mean, it's it's uncomparable, especially being in, you know, being in different sales, you know, corporate sales jobs. I've still made good money in the last couple of years and I've, I've enjoyed it, but nothing like this. Um, it's, it's definitely a challenge, it's hard. Um, it's out of the norm, hard and, you know, hard mentally and hard in different ways, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's so rewarding Mm -hmm. and it's, there's really so much money to be made. Um, and then there's so many, so many life lessons, even at at my age now, I feel like it's just so good to dive into something and, and challenge myself. So yes, I am happy. I've loved being able to run a team out here. Um, they're all younger. A lot of them are pre mission. So I've loved being able to see how this job is honestly preparing them for their missions so it's been a really good experience yeah dude i think it's fascinating i think a lot of guys that are going to listen to this podcast i mean they're out in california or they're out in florida working we're just doing one podcast this week for everybody and i think sometimes it's tempting to say wow i can go back to utah i can get this awesome job i can do this and that 
but you had those awesome jobs in Utah, right? Like yep. you had sick jobs and you just barely said the, the money and flexibility did not even compare. Yeah. Yep. So I think that's kind of a word to the wise is, guys, I understand this job is hard and we all know that. I mean, John, you and I both, we know firsthand what it's like to close deals, go out there, lead teams, have setters, close, whatever. But it's still so much better and worth it than working some corporate job in Utah type of thing. 100%. I mean, literally, uh, well, first off, we're in a startup. This is still a startup company, so you couldn't be in a better position to grow with a company right now. That's, you know, all my, I have a lot of, I have a large age group of peers because I'm in the, I've been in the single scene and I'm turning 30, but I have friends that, you know, my peers run from 25 all the way up to, you know, Sean Bingham, he's, he's <laughs> all the way up to 39. Uh-huh. He hangs out with us and, and I've been able to see and, and kind of compare different people's life experiences and the ones that have been the most wealthy and have the most financial freedom and, and the most, I guess, I guess they're just the most financially free and have the most time on their hands to do things that they want to do, projects that they want to do. Almost all of them got into a successful startup early and then produced and showed value to that company. So we're all, honestly, like we're in such a good position to be with, with Empower right now. Yeah, I agree. I think it's such a sweet time to be here because the company's finally big enough to support you and help you, but they're not so big that they don't care or that they don't know who you are or recognize you. It's really that sweet spot. And you've caught it at the perfect time, and you're riding the wave, dude. I mean, this year, how many deals have you closed? Do you know, roughly? Um, I think I'm at 43. 43 deals, and when did you come out and start selling with us? Um, I got out here about uh, in April, about mid-April. Wow, so I mean, it's literally been two months about that two and a half bit. i yeah. guess i guess mid-april now we're at july 1st almost this week so you've literally been out there for deals, two and however, a half months sorry. <laughs> what, what did I, you say I, that is including wipe deals so i need to check and see what all the clean ones are but the wipe deals are progressing um things are happening i'm in touch with every one of those customers so dude well and even but, last uh, week you yeah. closed six clean deals and three wipe deals right yes so i mean you've got plenty of clean deals going through especially for only being there for two and a half months to be at 30 plus clean deals and then to have those additional 20 plus wipe deals is just crazy. So I really want to dive into kind of what makes you tick and how you work. And I want everyone to learn from you that you can go out there in two and a half months. And I mean, you've made more probably in the last two and a half months than you made all last year at your corporate jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's pretty comparable, but again, it's been in two months instead of a full year. So I mean, that's insane to do to do a comparable number in two months opposed to twelve months is crazy. Yeah, I like to. It's like the like trust buy cycle. So they like you, then they trust you, and then they buy. Yeah. So even if I've I've sold plenty of people that have said no to multiple solar sales reps, mm-hmm. and obviously our uniforms kind of get us in the door a little bit, get the conversation moving a little bit, and then we move as we, you know, build trust and build them liking us more, we move towards letting them know, you know what, this is solar and this is what's going to be best for you. Yeah, after that ice is and, broken. Uh-huh. So right now, whenever you have setters that are struggling on your team, because obviously you have a lot of guys setting for you and with you, what do you uh-huh. tell them? Like when they're in a funk or when you were in a funk when you were setting, what would you tell them or how did you get past that? Honestly, 
um, a lot of times it's just the, it's just the March. You just have to do the March every single day. And I would, you know, I would say it's going to turn out. Sometimes you just don't have the best days. And then if it kind of continues a little bit longer, I will, I'll sit with them. I'll practice with them and see how their pitch is sounding. Mm-hmm. And I'll try to give them feedback and try to tweak certain things. Um, and then if it, if it continues even more, sometimes I'll go knock with them and kind of see how they're actually interacting with people on the doors yeah. and I'll try to give them feedback in that way. And I feel, you know, my team is super solid, super strong. So I haven't really had too many, too many problems. But when I, when I do that process with people, as long as they apply the things that I try to tell them, they've had a lot of success. Yeah. I think that like, if you're, if you're a rep listening to this podcast, a uh, tactic that I would suggest for you is if you're ever hitting a funk or having a bad day, just like John said, go try and knock with your manager. But sometimes your manager's busy and can't that day or out of town or whatever. What you can do is just record your pitch, turn your phone on auto audio recording, record your pitch on three or four doors and send those to your manager. Or later that night, bring those up to him and say, hey, look, these are real live pitches on the doors. Can you critique these? And so I think that'll help. I think that's really helpful to role play and to work with the reps. And you've obviously seen that too. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. I've actually, I, I even did that before I had some reps come out. They recorded their pitch and they sent it to me and it just basically let me know that they were practicing and getting memorized. And when they came out, if they were struggling, I'd do the same thing, have them record their pitch, send it to me. Yeah. And it's always good if they can record it on the door with someone. So that's probably the best way because it gives you more of a, how they're actually interacting with the person. Yeah, live feedback, stuff like that. Yeah, and I honestly don't care a ton if they, like, follow the pitch exactly how it is. Um, I feel like it's more about playing, you know, reacting and, and adjusting to your audience, adjusting to the person that you're talking to. Yeah. That's a skill that, that I think that they can learn. No, um, that's I really totally important agree. to learn because the pitch is what it is, and, and you want to follow the bones, but that's like one of the most important skills is learning how to react to, to the type of person that you're talking to. Definitely. What do you feel like from your previous sales jobs in the past? I mean, you've been in software sales and you taught for years. What do you feel like in your mm-hmm. previous software sales jobs you've learned that you took over to this, like a good sales skill or like some good tactic or strategy? That's a good question. Um, well, first I want to say some of the ways that they're different. So, as far as software sales go, it's a lot more, it tends to be a little bit more formal and you're trying to get to the decision maker. That's a big part of the process is actually getting to the correct decision maker when you are, um, like when you're, when you're, uh, getting the, the set done at the mm-hmm. very beginning. So it's a little bit more of a process getting past the gatekeepers and things like that. And then there's a lot more logic involved because it's business related. And so I feel it's a little bit more logical once you do get to the decision maker. Whereas here, it's you usually can get to the decision maker more quickly, but it's more emotion involved. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the seller is super logic, but it is a little bit more emotional. But um, it is still the same thing. I mean, it's still the like, trust, buy. Um, you want to make you want to make your client like you, you know understand that you're a real person that you're trying to do your job level with them build rapport and that matters in both settings in all sales settings and then once they like you and they trust you when you're explaining different things you can when you tell them like hey 
I went out and I ran the numbers for a couple of different programs, a couple of different softwares, um, what the competition is. This is why I know you, you like me. This is why I think this is going to benefit you more. And then I use that trust and then they actually will buy because, you know, it's that same cycle. It works every time. It's the same thing here. It's just more confined. It's a lot quicker. It happens a lot faster. So instead of months of trying to get to this decision maker, or not months, but weeks of trying to get the decision maker, weeks of trying to build that rapport with a, with a client and then finally being able to close them. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit faster here, which is really, it's nice, but you have to learn how to be a little more transactional with it and, and get people to like you and, and trust you and then buy sooner. So Totally. I love this stuff. What, I'm taking yeah, notes the whole time. I'm taking notes, yeah. John. If you hear my keyboard <laughs> typing, that's what I'm doing. So I'm sure a lot of that stuff helped you with closing. And so after you got down setting, then you transitioned to self-jetting for a while, and now you're closing other people's deals as well. But I kind of want to hear about your close. I, I want to know roughly some like, hey, how long is it? How long are you in the home for? How, what's your follow-up process look like? How's your deck? What do you hit on? So we'll kind of go through some of those things. But as of now, when you go to an appointment, how long do you expect to be in that appointment for? If I'm going to close the deal, it's going to probably be about an hour, hour and 10 minutes. Okay. So if you're going to actually get doc signed, get everything done, it'll be an hour, hour and 10 minutes for you. Yep. Yeah, that's that's probably the most common. It totally, it does depend on the person and it also depends on the qualification because if I'm going to go through every level of qualification with the customer, it obviously takes a lot longer to do documentation. No, totally. So sometimes it might take a little bit longer. But let's say you were in there for an hour, 15 or whatever. How would you break that up? Like if I, if you had to kind of show me like, all right, I'm spending 15 minutes on this, 20 minutes on this, five minutes on this. How does that look for you? Oh man. Again, it's, I feel like it really is a different vibe um, with every, I mean, I will always try to build rapport at the beginning, but sometimes people are just very to the point and they're very direct Mm -hmm. and they just want to know what are you doing here? So in most cases, I'm always going to try to just get in there and, and like make a couple compliments, talk about their house, talk about something that I found that's interesting uh-huh. and just bring it up. Like literally today I was at this guy's house. He's about to do a yard sale, saw some boxing gloves, brought up that I wanted boxing gloves after I saw a fight recently. I wanted to start doing that. We talked about boxing for a little bit. And then because he was, you know, he's kind of an awkward guy. Uh-huh. It was good to find that common ground. Yeah. So I'll do my best to build rapport, but there really are some cases where they're very direct and very to the point, and it almost hurts you to try to build rapport too long. It like gets awkward or it gets weird. Totally. So I'll, and if I'm getting that vibe, I will always just be like, okay, awesome. So um, you were you met with, I don't know, we'll say Haley. She was here the other day, talked to you a little bit about what we can do with California Renewable Energy. And I introduce our company. And I say, we work hand in hand with the state and with PG&E to help you lower your electric bill and to help bring more renewable energy into residential areas. So like, I just tell them who we are and then our purpose. Interesting. Um, so that's like how yeah. you start every time. Like every deck, either if it's after report or before report, you always start just saying, hey, this is who we are, it's what we do, our purpose, etc." Exactly, yeah. I let them know like, you know, we, we look at the best programs that are available for your home specific. I always try to make it very specific to their home uh-huh. and to them and to their situation. That makes and, sense. And uh, again, I will say that almost from the very beginning, building rapport 
is just not happening the right way. Like if it's not going smooth, if they're just like, okay, just tell me what you got. Like this is like, and then after that, if, if I wasn't able to really build a rapport after I let them know, sometimes I'll try to go back, kind of backtrack and build a rapport after I've at least let them know what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, so that kind of varies, but I always want to, at least at some point throughout the, throughout the presentation, I want to take some opportunity to like talk about something besides just the message, just to at least get them going. Yeah. Like, at least get them to like me and to trust me. I think that you just shared some serious wisdom there. I think sometimes reps go in the home and they know building rapport is important and they know that's supposed to be at the beginning. And so they try and keep stuffing it down their throat over and over. Right. Yeah. And they try and keep yeah. saying, Hey, let me, let me build rapport with you. Let me build rapport with you. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you, et cetera. And they just don't want to have it. And at that point it's okay to jump into your deck, even though ideally building rapport is best. But sometimes just jumping into it and coming back to rapport halfway through, like breaking off later, is still okay as well. Exactly. Like you have to read your audience because I, when I was a little bit, you know, more towards the beginning of closing, I kind of just tried to follow the the exact same steps every single time. And some people just wouldn't have it. They're like, dude, get to the point. Like, why are you here? Honestly, like, um, for example, I spoke with this guy the other day and, um, his wife was the one that actually spoke with one of our setters. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, dude, I just know that you're, you're meeting with us to help us save some money, but I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> like he, he didn't, he was just there pretty much cause his wife. And then I was like, no worries. This is why I'm here. And then after I kind of explained that, I went into the pitch a little bit and I, I was able to find some common ground. Something came up. I don't even know what it was. I think like his dog, something random happened. Like his dog came into the conversation or something like that. And I was able to actually get him to like smile and laugh a little bit, kind of ease the tension, like made it a little bit more relaxed environment. And then I kind of went back into the pitch. I yeah. felt like I gained him, his, his, him actually liking me and I gained his trust a little bit more. And then by the end of the, of the appointment, he actually closed. So it was, it was pretty cool. Wow. I think, uh, I think there's something to be learned there too. All the time as a new closer, when someone says no at the beginning or they don't want to hear from you, you kind of shut down. But there's been so many appointments I've closed as well where the people at the beginning say no and they end up signing docs at the end. Yep. So you got to stay confident, 100%. keep going, et cetera. So you build a report for – oh, sorry. Go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, if you 100% believe that solar is going to help them, because in my opinion, it's literally solar is good for everyone, uh-huh. like, even if you're older. You are saving money on a monthly basis and you're adding value to your home. That's good for everyone. So when they feel that you believe in your product and when they sense that, people will also trust you more. So that's so huge for people. And I really do. I have solar on my own house and vineyard. So like I bring that up all the time. Totally. So you believe in it. So you're going to go through the whole process and try and sell them, right? Yeah. I think that uh, I think that it's so interesting how some people can just keep stay composed but also it's also it's mentally hard when someone says no at the beginning so i get that yeah i understand so for you you're going to build rapport for 10 minutes or so and then after you build the rapport then you're going to jump into the deck how long does the deck usually take you would you say um i can go through the deck pretty fast and it, it really depends on how i try to 
focus on what I can see is is resonating with them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like if, obviously, I'll talk from the beginning. I'll always talk about PG&E and their rising costs. That's always my first slide that I'll go into because they need to know, like, we're helping you have another option that's not PG&E. And I try to build pain with PG&E. And some people love that. They love, like, talking about how PG&E is just the worst and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Or whatever utility applies to, to the to people listening to this uh, this podcast, but yeah, I mean, I'll always try to build at least a little bit of pain in PG&E and explain to them that PG&E's costs are going up year over year, mm-hmm. and we're trying to give them another option to escape that. Um, but yeah, I mean, some people that resonates so much with them, so I'll dive in a little bit more and talk about like why, and then other people they're just like, yeah, it doesn't resonate quite as much. So I'll move on to other things. But yeah, I always talk about PG&E's rising costs, and I talk about, you know, the the list of of different um, different countries and how much renewable energy they have. Talk about the uh, the federal and state grants available, and how it makes it. I like to dive into this part because it, it means that there's no upfront costs. I like to say there used to be, you know, when you it used to be a lot harder to go solar than it is now. Now there's no upfront costs. There's no installation costs. There's no permitting fees. There's no main panel fees, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, these grants that are available to you right now have made it so easy. I don't even ask for a credit card for many of my clients. That's how easy it is to go solar right now. So I like to say that. Um, kind of like to briefly explain how California wants to be 100% renewable energy by the year 2045. And I always bring up, I'm sure you've seen those new houses that have panels on them. Like, you're going to look out and you're going to see all your neighbors are eventually going to have solar. But right now, there's a lot of uh, different state incentivized, state and federal incentivized programs that might not be available in the future. So now is really the people or the best time to get the best deals. Hmm. So I see. So you go through all those throughout the deck at different slides. So you use mm-hmm. pretty much the same deck that everybody else is using, right? Yeah, I use the same deck. Um, but I again, like some things, I'll really like people. A lot of times, they won't understand like. They'll think they'll still have a bill from PG&E or they think that like with solar too. And then I'll have to focus on that deck where, or that slide where it explains you want to be creating more energy than what it's, you know, than what you're, than what you're consuming. And if you do, your bill is completely gone. So it's just, you know, you can jump around. It just totally depends on, on what resonates most with, uh, with the customer. Awesome. Uh, John, I'm seeing on the audio that we need to talk a little louder. Cody says as he's listening. So Oh, okay. If we can. But anyway, so when you go through the deck, is there a specific slide that you hit on longer or that you really feel like that's where the key turning point is that they, they want to go solar? Um, there's probably there's probably two of the most important. Well, let me think. What are the most important slides? So probably the slide where we're actually showing them their information uh-huh. that's applicable to them. Uh-huh. We're going over like your usage is this much like I and that's where they really know that we are applying and finding programs that help their house and their situation specifically. You are paying this much in the month. I already worked with PG&E. I have your exact numbers and this is what your numbers will be if you go solar. So that part of it um, is huge. You know, the last 12 months of usage in their bills. Totally. I think what also is big is you said this is your exact numbers. Like I just heard you emphasize uh-huh. that. I think a lot of reps need to realize that these customers need to be bought in. That that is their actual data, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah, that's huge because it helps them know that like this is applying to you. And this is why solar is going to help you specifically. Totally. Um, and I built a system that's completely fit for your home. So that's where I explain that. Um, and then I think the other most important part is when you show them options. So there's two soft closes. Chan showed me this and it's been one of the most like impactful, powerful skills that I've learned when when doing solar sales. So there's two real soft closes that I'll always do. One of them is the option slide. I'll basically say you have two options when you're going solar, you can, you can own your panels or you can lease your panels and they'll take them through both options. And then once I basically am sure that they understand both of them, I've explained both sides. I'll say, so do you understand the difference between owning and leasing? Yes. Perfect. So which one calls your attention more? And then Hmm. once they answer, once they say, Oh, I think that, uh, I think that owning actually calls my attention a little bit more. I'll be like, perfect. Completely agree with you. And then I'll just say for you guys, situation, I think owning is the best possible option, uh, for your guys, situation. Or if they say leasing, perfect, yeah. Leasing in your guys' situation is perfect. It's probably the best option for you guys. So I'll pretty much just agree with whatever they say. Um, But, you know, most people understand, like, if they're retired, leasing is a better option. But Mm -hmm. either way, like, I'll I'll let them sell themselves, close themselves on it. And then after that, after they say owning or leasing, I just assume the sale. I I basically just take it like, we want to own our panels now. Like, we want to buy panels from you. Yeah. We want to lease panels from you. And I just assume the sale for the rest of the time. Just like, okay, so when you own your panels, um, then I'll take them through the purchase options from there. Wow. And then, so, so let's, yeah. so real quick, John, so you're going through the options and you're going to say, hey, there's buying, there's leasing. Let me show you both. Then you take them through both slide decks, right? Where it's like five slides on each mm-hmm. one or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you say, all right, which one of these called your attention more? And if they say buying or leasing, then the rest of the time you focus just on buying or leasing, whatever one they said. Yeah. So you try to be pretty unbiased throughout up until this point. Yeah, I mean, because you don't want to like say that leasing is not a great option because you might like financing wise, you might have to go back and you might have to sell them. Totally. So you don't want to be anti on either one of them. You don't want to be anti either one, but you can't say this is probably the best one for your situation sell them hard on that, but still say they're both great savings vehicles for you. So they're both going to be on an awesome option for you. Mm, I see. And then they choose one and you're like, all right, yeah, I think that's the one that I also would do. And then for yep. you, like you kind of affirm that I'm guessing, right? Uh huh. And then you go through the rest. When you say, is there more slides or you just get like, review those ones again? So I'll just go through the purchase ones. Um, so the purchase option, I take them through, like say they chose like, yeah, purchase one or purchase option calls my attention a little bit more. I'll say awesome. Then I'll just go through the slides that are under that. Um, take them through like the cost of the system with the federal tax credit. Um, the comparison, if they continue to pay PG&E versus the purchase option, mm-hmm. their monthly payments. Um, yeah, their billing schedule, all those different things. And then I always love to touch on the owning versus the renting. Because the owning, for me, that just resonates really hard. And so I like, I just love the concept that right now you're, you're renting power from PG&E, but with, with having solar panels, you're owning that power. And every single payment you make is like a mortgage. It's going towards an asset that's on your roof. And you'll see that money again when you sell your house eventually. 
So like, I love kind of explaining that, you know, it's going towards an asset that's actually building value in their home. I see. So after the options, so let me make sure I'm correct here. Cause I know that in the slide deck after like their numbers, after you show them that if they produce more than they use, they won't have a bill. Then it goes to the option slide. That's where you do your soft close right there. Yep. Okay. So the first soft close is just saying, um, so do you understand the difference between purchasing and leasing? And they'll say, yes. I'll say, awesome. So which one, which one calls your attention more? And they'll say purchase. To me, that's a soft close. Um, once they say that, that's a first soft close. In my mind, they just said, I want to purchase these solar panels. Mm-hmm. And I will just assume, just assume the sale from there on out. So that's the first one. And then we'll just assume that I will say that I got all the way through the, the pitch. Um, then I'll get to the last slide, the seven steps to go solar. Mm-hmm. And... Um, also throughout this, the pitch, I will say at different points, like my job today is really just to see if you qualify for these things. So I'll try to mention that a couple of different times. So today we'll just see if you qualify just whether that's like subconsciously they're getting that in their mind that like today we're going to qualify them. Yeah. And then when I finally, I go through like frequently asked questions and when I get to the seven steps to go in solar, I'll say awesome. So like I said, today, my job is just to make sure you qualify. Um, Obviously, this is going to be a great situation for you. You're going to save money right off the bat, but I do need to make sure that, that you qualify after that. Um, we'll fill out a couple of documents. That lets us be able to move forward with the other sides of the process. Um, after we fill out those documents, then we'll schedule what's called a site survey, have someone come out, check out your roof, check out your main panel, create a design. Once we get that design approved, we'll submit it for permitting. Basically, I just take them through that whole process, right? Um, and then I try to say today as much as I can. So today we're going to do this a few days from today. We're going to have someone come out and check out your roof. And after that, um, it takes about two to four weeks from today to get the permitting. And then, um, after that, we'll give you a call for an installation date, inspection, meter, power on, and then we can get you installed about a month, month and a half from today. And that's just kind of subconsciously like, okay, this is a full process, but we need to you know, we need to get that process started today. So we need to get qualified. And then after that, I'll just say three questions. This is exactly how Chan taught me to close it. And it, it literally works like a, a charm every time. I'll say, awesome. So if you have any questions about anything you've talked about, how are you feeling about everything? And do you want to see if you're even qualified? And then just nine times out of 10, after I've explained all that, they'll be like, yeah, I want to see if we're qualified. Dang. So the very end, Right when you're like, all right, you've chose the purchase. I've already soft closed you there, or you've chose the PPA. I've already soft closed you there. Then I went through the mm-hmm. slides. Then I mentioned over and over again that you get not, you have to get qualified eventually at the end of this. I've mentioned that throughout the deck. And in the very end, you're like, all right, you don't say these my three questions, but you just say, okay, first of all, do you have any questions for me about anything you've already talked about or anything we've talked about? Mm-hmm. Second, yep. what was the second one? Um, how are you feeling about everything? Okay, just literally. That just lets them know, like, usually I can get the vibe anyway. They're like, yeah, you know, it sounds really good. Perfect. Do you want to see if you're even qualified? That's how I end it. Okay. So, one, do you have any questions? Two, do you, how do you feel about it? And then three, do you want to see if you even qualify? And you feel like more often than not, they're like, yeah, let's see if we qualify. Um, yeah, most, almost every time. And it, it really makes it a much less abrasive. You're not like, okay, so, like, do you do you want to see like where you're at with things? Like, is it okay if we start filling out, you know, 
if we do this credit check or like say it in a way like that, it just kind of, it sounds a lot harder uh-huh. and it's a little bit more intimidating to them. Whereas when I put it in that context, it just feels really smooth. It doesn't feel like there's some big close at the end that you need to do. It's just smooth transitions. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then from there, like, yeah, I'll take qualified. Then you bring up the docs. Do you have a certain order you go through with the docs or do you have a certain thing you like to bring up before you start or how does that process look like? So I just try to do it. I, I just make it as little of a deal as possible. Okay. So after I, um, after they qualify, I just be like, awesome. Looks like you were approved. So now all we have to do is fill out a couple of documents real quick. I can help you with that. And then after we get these done, it takes about five, 10 minutes. And then after we get these done, we'll schedule that site survey. So I'll just pull this up. I'll usually just ask, do you normally get email on your phone? Um, so I don't, I don't want them to like sit and dwell on like, oh my gosh, I have to fill out these documents. Like it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I'll just keep it moving, you know, keep it moving. So it feels really natural and, and doesn't feel like it's like some big deal. So you kind of preface it. You kind of say, hey, here's what we're going to do. It's going to be about 15 minutes. Here's the different docs. It'll be really easy. Get you guys qualified. You start going through them, et cetera. Yeah, and then when I get to each document, I explain what it is. So, like, I don't want them to feel like I'm I'm being sketchy about anything. I tell them exactly, okay, awesome. So this is a financing document. It, it shows all the details of the financing agreement. And then I always make sure to say, like, right here it shows what your payment's going to be if you don't put that federal tax credit towards the cost of the system. So obviously it's going to be a little higher, right? But, you know, this is what your payment's going to be if you do put it. Um, that's the pay- that's the amount we talked about. But I always like to let them know that that's on the documentation just so that they can be ready if, if they're reading through it later. They don't, like, freak out and say, oh, this is a higher number than what you said. Like, I always let them know, like, hey, I'm aware that this says a little bit more than what we talked about. But that's just what the number is going to be if you um, put the if you don't put the federal tax credit towards the cost of the system. And so once you just go through that with people, they're totally chill with it. Sorry, I don't know if you hear this music. I'm in a neighborhood right now, and they're <laughs> playing way loud banda. No, you're good. I can't even hear it. So that's money, dude. Okay. So that was a perfect doc process. I think that you had so many good things in there. If they don't sign the docs, or if they're like, hey. We want time to think about it. Do you do follow-ups or what's your follow-up process? So I'll usually, um, I'll usually kind of have it in my, if they do push back a little bit, I'll have it in my back pocket. I'll say, hey, no worries. Like, honestly, there's no pressure. Um, nothing is completely in stone until the panels are on your roof, but this allows us to get the process started. And then that usually takes the edge off a little bit. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And then I let them know, like, I can be here for any questions that you guys have throughout this full process. Mm-hmm. I only live 10 minutes from here. I always say, like, how far I live away. You have my phone number. You can call me or text me anytime. Like, I will make sure that I, I answer any questions. So I like to make them feel very comfortable. But then if they still push back and they're still like, ah, oh, we just we just don't want to sign right now. Or they're like, oh, my husband, they say it's like a one-leg appointment. Oh, my husband's not here or whatever. Um... In that case, then I'll, I'll just be like, okay, honestly, not a problem at all. Um, let's schedule a time. I have a really busy schedule, so I want to make sure that I want to get a time when you and your husband is here, mm-hmm. and I will do a two-touch. So um, you will if it's a so, one-legger. You'll say, okay, let's reschedule a time, and you'll get a time with them. But if they're both home uh-huh. and they just want to think about it, what do you do then? Um, 
it really just depends on the vibe. Um, I usually don't, I'm not like a hard close type because I just feel like that leads to cancels or let leads them to having a bad taste in their mouth. Uh-huh. But I'll usually ask, just be like, okay, is there anything that hasn't made sense? Um, how are you feeling about what I've explained? And I usually, when I ask that question, how are you feeling? It can surface certain doubts that they might still have. And then I can address that and go back again. But if it feels like, hey, they're really just not going to sign in this moment, I will do my best um, to to schedule a follow-up appointment with him. Yeah, because you already spent an hour with them. You want to see. Yeah. That makes sense. But but I have way more success than I think everyone does um, if if you can close them on the very first appointment. <clears throat> totally. And you save way more time, right? Not having to go back there yep. twice for one deal. You can have two deals for two appointments. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's honestly like worst case scenario. Like, I've gone back, I've asked him a couple times, like how they're feeling, and they just really don't want to sign. Like, they're committed to not signing on that first appointment. Okay, no worries. I totally understand. Um, let's schedule a time to come back, and I try to make it very soon after, mm-hmm. if possible. So, um, like, you don't want to give them time to just have another solar company come in and, and totally and stuff or like forgot that. what you said or you have to do the whole thing yeah. over again or whatever so then you do exactly. that dude and you've you've obviously had tons of success doing this so i think that a lot of you guys listening should definitely try and apply some of his questions and key points that john's saying what do you wish if you go back to setting or closing what do you wish you would have known from the beginning like if you go back and tell yourself something on their first day that you know now what would you say Oh, man. Um, I would probably say, you know, what I would tell myself at the very beginning is to stay level emotionally in the highs and in the lows. In the lows, know that it's I'm going to have success. You just need to keep working and do that 20-mile that march. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. And in the highs, stay level, keep working, um, and don't think that just because I got a couple of closes that the job's done. Like, I need to continue to get closes. I need to continue to go. So try to stay as level emotionally as you can. Um, don't get too down if there's a cancel. Don't get too high if you close a bunch. Just stay put in the work, put in the hours every single day. And I think that comes with experience. I mean, you'll you'll see some of the vets. It's funny. I think sometimes new reps that see their manager close a deal or something, and like, aren't you excited? I remember reps used to ask me, like, aren't you excited? Aren't you happy? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked, but I need to close a lot more to hit my goals or I need to focus on the next one, or like whatever the response is, because if you don't, it's just hard on yourself to be all emotional every day. It's honestly, and I like, I was feeling it a lot at the very beginning because I would get so excited when I finally got like, a, like my first self-gen close, I was so excited but then like something would happen and, and then I would have an appointment close or like cancel or something like that. Uh-huh. And I'd get so down and like I put all this work. You just need to realize like the money's going to be there if you put in the hours and if you stay consistent, totally. and, like, you're going to get a return on your investment. You just have to keep going. Totally. Well, John, it has been so good to have you. We're coming up to the hour mark. It's kind of surreal guys. If you don't know this, I, John, how many times did you and I talk on the phone or meet in person before you decide to actually come fully out <laughs> and sell? <laughs> I mean, we Probably talked a, a bunch of times, always texting back and forth, always going back and forth about the job. John had a ton of questions, and I'm glad that we got him answered because now he's here and he's crushing it. So, 
thanks for being on the podcast. It's so good to hear your voice, have you on here. I'm sure that lots of reps are going to learn a lot from this. Is there anything else you want to say before we stop? Um, just the last thing. Um, one of the reasons why it was tough for me to decide was kind of leaving leaving the comfort of my salary plus commission job to go to full commission yeah. and to go like really out of my comfort zone. But I've like grown in so many different ways just by coming out here. And this is later in life too. So honestly, like this has been such a good decision for me personally. And I think that, uh, I think if we take that energy, like that we're going to grow personally and grow financially, that is going to push us to work hard every single day. So I'm pretty stoked about the decision. And, and I think that with this attitude, I'll be able to recruit a lot more people to come join us. Dude, I love it. And John, honestly, like you and I, we've been friends for a while before this job, before this, right? I mean, I was working here yeah. the whole time, but you were doing different things the last couple of years. We were friends, kind of ran in the same circles. Mm -hmm. And I've seen yep. a huge growth in you. Like I've seen a tremendous change from the John I knew two to three years ago and the John I know now. <laughs> like it's crazy. It. So, I mean, thanks for all you do. Thanks for your growth. And we'll have to have you on again. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. A once in a lifetime. You need to never stop improving. The constant focus on individual growth. How will you be financially free? Welcome to the Empower Podcast.